Well, friends, good morning. It's lovely to see you. And uh, welcome, a special welcome from me if you are a visitor or new here. It's great to have you with us. Now, today, today's Pentecost Sunday. It's the, uh, it's the day in the year when the church uh, reminds itself of the gift of the Spirit. I like to think that we have Pentecost Sunday every Sunday, that we are open to the Spirit every Sunday, because I think it's not just a once-a-year event. We need to be continually reminded of the gift of the Spirit and what the Spirit empowers us with and enables us to do as a church. And um, our reading this morning, it's just part of our series, speaks straight into that, really. Um, It speaks straight into that because it speaks into... Uh, a growing church. I, I don't think there's anything more important in life than sharing uh, the good news of the gospel. I think we're we're called to do that. I actually don't think we'll see the transformation of this nation. We'll see this nation differently until people's hearts are open to and respond warmly to uh, the love of God in that way. Um, I I believe beyond all belief that the message of the kingdom of God, the message of Jesus Christ, the message of hope that comes through that is the message that our nation needs uh, to hear. And uh, uh, you you may be here this morning, you may not be a believer, you may uh, be part of that wider fringe of St. Paul's, uh, to which I say to you, welcome, we love you to bits. We really, I hope we make ourselves a church that is inclusive, where wherever you are in faith, you feel able to come along and belong. But we never make it a secret, do we? That actually, uh, our greatest desire is that you would know the love of God. Not for any benefit of our own, but because we believe beyond anything else, that you getting to know Jesus Christ will be the one thing that will change your life for the better more than anything else you can ever do. That's our belief. That's my belief. I believe that completely with my whole life. I believe that. That's why uh, we live the way we live. That's why we do what we do, because we believe in this one message. And our prayer is that you would get this message and that you would get to know Jesus Christ living in your life, making a difference for you. It it doesn't mean we don't do other things as well. We're called as a church to to help the homeless. We're called to take social action. We're called to help those in some of the poorest places around the world. We're called to be churches that are actively involved in justice. Uh, We're called to pick up the broken. We're called to walk with the lonely. We're called to include the excluded. And in so doing, we're called to share Christ in all that we do. That's what we're called to do. That's what I believe that we are to do. And I, I don't believe that this nation will be changed. I don't believe that we'll see a, a, a whole different effect until we see people's lives aligned to the will of God. And, and I say that both of the church as well as those outside the church. Um, it, it would be true to say, wouldn't it, that your life is not perfect. Would that be true to say? I mean, mine is, obviously, but... No, mine's not either. But it would be true to say, wouldn't it? We don't live perfect lives. There's brokenness within all of us. Sometimes we get stuff wrong. Sometimes we blow it. The church as a body is a church made up of 
a whole load of us, which the church is just the people. And there's brokenness in us, and sometimes the church will get it wrong. And sometimes in history, the church has got it wrong. But by golly, we try, don't we? We try as a community of people to get it right, to be something of the living, breathing expression of Christ in this nation and beyond. I mean, how wonderful to speak to Gordon this morning, what he's doing in Gomer in the DRC. Uh, We've got Johnny Spence this morning. He's in Afghanistan, encouraging the Christians out in Afghanistan. Um, David and, and, and Jenny Watson in Pakistan. If you know some of their journey at the moment, they've just been told they've got to leave Pakistan. And um, uh, they're leaving. Um, Jenny and the children are coming back this on Thursday of this week. And um, uh, David's got to leave by the 5th of June. Their visas have been rebuked. They've got to come home. They think this is possibly the end of their journey in Pakistan as they've gone out to share their lives and, and, and in so doing take this same heart that we have that this is the message this is the, 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 the vehicle through which life change will come and, and uh, uh, there was an email from Dave last night saying pray for us in the next few days as we try and uh, pull together uh, the work that we've done in the last few years and get on a plane and leave it uh, as they've uh, sought to take something of the light of Christ into that community Uh, We believe this message, uh, this message uh, through the church, however that church looks and whatever shape that church is and however far flung and spread that church is, that this message is the one that brings hope. I think, you know, we've got that, we're we're just teaming up with the church in Mozambique. We've got that wonderful community going in Kenya. There's Jill in Bangladesh. We are a worldwide community, this little church. There's a worldwide community with this one message trying to bring the hope of Christ. One of the things that struck me on the, the bike ride last weekend, and I'll make this my last reference to it, but, but the, the, was that you know, there's not many places in the world where you get people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different situations coming together. And on that, the, the whole uh, uh, focus of the whole ride was encourage one another start together, finish together. Try and ensure that everybody gets to the end. There was, there was a whole sharing of life that went on. And, and as I was riding on my bike, and I probably said to a few people, you know, it's not often you get like this. And, and it, this is what the church is like. It's people from every walk of life, every different background, every different situation coming together under one person, one head, the person of Jesus Christ. And, uh, Uh, You know, God calls us to be a church like that, to be a living, breathing, inclusive, generous-hearted community that expresses and extends something of the love of God out to other people and into one another. We're We're to encourage and build one another up also in the faith of Christ. So let's just have a look at, um, I better get there, didn't I? 1 Thessalonians um, together, just for a few moments. Um, This is one of the earliest letters that Paul had written. Um, He's been to Thessalonica. He spent probably only about five weeks, we work out, from the book of Acts in Thessalonica. Um, Arrived, it seems he had only three uh, Sabbaths there. So in five weeks, he planted this church. Um, And in planting the church, he planted something that stayed alive, more than stayed alive, survived, more than survived, grew. This living, breathing, 
a community of Christians who were determined to change the nation, change the community, change the city of which they were a part. And I want to look briefly at some of that this morning and think, what was it? What were the keys that they had that made them a community that was so mission-minded, so outward-focused that they sought to bring change uh, in that way? Um, Paul writes this because he really would have loved to have been there with them. Um, uh, He'd loved to have come back and visited them, uh, but he was unable to do that. Um, When he'd first come to Thessalonica, persecution had been part of his life. It says this, chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. You know how badly we'd been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. So you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. Paul and Silas have been in Philippi. They've planted a church in Philippi. It's where the letter of Philippians comes from. If you want to read a letter in the Bible that is so encouraging, turn to Philippians anytime. It is such an encouraging letter from start to finish. It's a whole letter. So often, isn't it, we read the Bible, we read like little bits. And, and actually, it's really good sometimes just to read a letter. I mean, the letter to, if, if Linz wrote me a letter, I'd read the whole letter. I wouldn't read just the first five verses. However long the letter might be, I'd read the whole thing, you know. And and. and uh, not that she ever does write me a letter, but, but the, 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 the letter to the Philippians, like the letter to the Thessalonians, was written as a letter to be read out. That's why we're doing it week by week, to build through the whole letter, to hear what Paul says. But, but, but Paul had come from Philippians, Philippi, this church that he planted there, that it was so, such an encouraging church, wrote with such warmth and favor and faith in God. Uh, But he comes bruised and blooded, probably limping in to Thessalonica. Persecuted, beaten, rejected by the religious community of the town. And yet the the whole heart of the gospel that he left brought change to that place. Isn't it extraordinary that this gospel... Don't forget, Paul was preaching this message when there were very few Christians. There are now more Christians than a third of the world who believe in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. More than a third of the world's population who follow this faith. And Paul had this belief beyond belief, but this was the message that would bring life and light and hope. And sometimes we as a church have got that wrong down the ages. That's because the church is made up of the likes of you and me. But, But you know, still the church, the message of the church continues to advance continues to press on. I had the privilege this week of uh, uh, spending a, a couple of hours with a guy who's leading a, starting something new on a really tough estate. And uh, uh, he's got no salary, no backing really. He's living off nothing in a sense. It's just a bit of charity. And he and his wife, and uh, it comes from a, a, a lovely home very middle-class family, comes from a lovely home, got everything really. Uh, Linz and I know his parents very well. They're our age, his parents, so he's a very young guy. And he and his wife, they've moved into this uh, estate. And um, I had to do this job review with him for the bishop, and we were doing this review of what he was doing, and here he was doing it. And he had to fill in this form for many. At the end of the form, he wrote this. He said, if the church gives up on me, I intend to continue to press on. And I thought, rock on. 
That's just fantastic. If the church gives up, and the church hasn't given him any funding or anything, I'm putting a little, I'm putting a little um, uh, application into our mission committee to say, can we at least help him with some expenses? But just, just I intend to press on. Why? Because I have a belief beyond belief. And it came through when I met with him. I felt so humbled to meet with this young man. And he said, I have a belief beyond belief that this is the message and I'm going to love these people on this estate and I'm going to love them into Christ. I thought, go for it, boy. That's, that's what we're called to do. That's what we're there for. That's what we're to live. And that's what we live. We live that one message. So Paul has believed this message. He lives this one message. Nothing is going to stop him from getting it out. The fact that he was uh, 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 persecuted in Philippi. And then in Thessalonica, <laughs> he was hounded out after five weeks. They rejected him in Thessalonica as well. The leaders of the religious leaders went, get out of our town. We don't want you in here. But he left something of the gospel that continued to grow. He left something that set alive and set alight something new in that community of the things uh, of Christ. The rumors still flew around. It's interesting, isn't it? Rumors flew around that Paul was doing it for his own personal gain. But he gets that, don't they? Oh, you're just doing this for your own personal gain. You know, this is what it's about. It wasn't for his own personal gain at all. It was uh, because he believed in this stuff. He, he believed in what God had called him to do. There's no impure motives in his heart at all. Um, He's been beaten up and persecuted and rejected, but he still presses on uh, with this message. What was it? What were the uh, few short things that you see in the heart of this church? Uh, Verse 13, it says this. Therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, You didn't think of our words as mere human ideas, but you accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Therefore, we never stop thanking God. A a thankful heart. That's the first thing I think that comes out of this. You know, the beginning of chapter 2 is all this introduction. This is how I came to you. This is how I was. I got blooded in Philippi. I got kicked out of Thessalonica. I just wanted to write to you because I'd rather be with you. And then he starts. But I never stop thanking God for you, for what God has done in your heart. I think a thankful heart, a thankful heart changes everything. Paul had this incredible thankful heart, thankful for what God had done for him. He'd moved from being this person who'd persecuted the church, he'd put the Christians to death, to being this person who'd said, this is everything. This is what we're to live for. We're to live for the light of Christ. We're to live for the message of Christ. We're to live for the gospel that it comes out. Paul had been changed. He'd been radically changed by God. And because of his radical change, he had such a thankful heart. He said, I have discovered the very thing that needs to change in everybody's lives. He said, I've discovered the very thing that brings me ultimate contentment. He says, doesn't he, in in Philippians, he says, he says that I've, uh, he says that I, I, I found contentment in all things and in all circumstances. Never mind what comes against me, I've found a thankful heart. Something has changed inside. Uh, we had the, the, the privilege uh, uh, last week or the week before, I can't remember now, um, week before it was, of being at, at a leaders' conference. And at that, uh, Rick Warren was there. Rick Warren leads um, Saddleback Community Church, which is a a church that has a, an average Sunday congregation of 22,000 people. 
and has um, a, um, uh, a membership of about 70,000 people. So it's quite a big church, probably one of the biggest in the world, and, and, and has this huge influence. And, and Rick was uh, sharing with us, I can't remember whether it was in the main meeting or we had lunch with him afterwards, and he was, he was sharing with us, he said, uh, he said uh, I still have a, a $15, I wear a $15 watch from Walmart, he said. He's written, he's written the best-selling book in the world, second only to the Bible. He's made millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And he said this when he made it. He said, I decided none of that was for me. So he set up a trust and all the money goes into a trust. And all the money from the trust goes to help the poorest in the world. It's quite extraordinary that he sets this out. And he said to us, he said, I, I, I still I wear a $15 watch. He said, it says exactly the same time as your Rolex, Mike. He says, it's true. <laughs> I haven't got a Rolex, but I'm sure it's true. And he says, and I drive a 12-year-old Ford car. I don't need a new car because my car gets from A to B just as good as your car does. And he just shared that. And, and what he shared, which was quite, I think what he really shared was his heart, which was, I've just found the thing worth living for. I found the thing that brings me more contentment in my life than anything else. I found the thing that offers riches and goodness in my life that you can't count externally. I found the thing internally. He, he, um, he coined the phrase, it was probably about 15 years ago now, where he coined this phrase. He said, the, the problem of the human heart is at the heart of the human problem. It's our hearts that need changing. It's our hearts. And this is what he'd say. He said, my heart got changed by God. And this is why I live my life this way. Paul discovered it. He says, my heart got changed by God. My heart got changed. And when my heart got changed, he said, then uh, I uh, got encouraged by God. A thankful heart. I did an exercise uh, a few months ago now. We did a staff quiet morning. And, and uh, as part of that quiet morning, I encouraged the staff to, do, to make a list of two things. Uh, they had to make a list of the people they were grateful for. And then they had to make a list of the things they wanted to bring before God. I just gave them 45 minutes to do that. 45 minutes. And uh, there was no reporting back or anything, but we were just having a cup of coffee afterwards and, and uh, I just overheard uh, one of our staff. And uh, he said this. It was Chris, actually. <laughs> All he was there. He said this. He said, I didn't have time to write down all the names of everybody I was thankful for. 45 minutes. He couldn't list everybody he was thankful for. He couldn't stop, get, didn't get to the bottom of his list of being thankful. He didn't get to list the things that he wanted to pray for. That's the heart of what we want. We're so busy being thankful for what we've got and who's around us that we yet to ask for anything else. That's where Paul was. That, that infectiousness of thankfulness, I think, is what he shared in the church in Thessalonica. I think they were a church that was just thankful. Thankful that Paul had come. Thankful that the, the message was growing. Thankful that the gospel was being shared. Thankful that lives were being changed. A message of thankfulness. We've got so much, haven't we? Gordon on Skype this morning from Goma. My word. Yeah, I, I, I had a long chat to him beforehand. He, 
he only got part way through the 915 he, he, he said to me after he was in tears because just in their small community where they were three children were taken this week do you know our children can go to the shop safely and return safely you know there's safety on our streets but there there isn't your children can be snatched from a bush as they play with the few toys that they've got we have so much to be thankful for there's so much around us Let's live thankful lives. In Ephesians, Paul says, I was, I was dead in my sins. This was, he was one of the, the, the fiercest religious leaders of the community. But he says, I was dead. I didn't, I didn't see God. He said, and then God made me alive in Christ. He met me. I became alive in Christ. Jesus says it this way in John 10.10. 10, he says, I've come that you might have life in all its fullness. When we discover the light and the lightness of the gospel, when we discover who Jesus Christ is, the whole perspective on life changes. Everything about us changes because we discover who God is, the good news of the gospel. I believe beyond belief that that is the message. That is the message that will change our nation. It's the message that will change your life. It's the message that has changed my life. It's the message we're to live for. It's a message that, 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 that will change our nation. But it's not just thankfulness. He didn't just leave them with an infectious thankfulness. It says you accepted what we said as the very word of God, and that's what it was. You know, one of the reasons why there's, there's so much difficulty and strife in the world today is because we, we're not quite sure who to listen to. If you talk to the economists, they've all got different points of view on finance. If you talk to politicians, they've all got different points of view on pol- politics and how the world should run. If you talk to, to, to lawyers, they've got different uh, views on, on, on legal issues. We, we need an authority in our lives. And, and as a Christian, I believe that's, that's from the Bible. This is what we live. We don't, we, we don't follow a charismatic character we don't follow a person we we follow our our, our savior christ and and his teachings that are in the word of god this is what we follow the bible provides the firm strong foundation the boundary foundation the foundation that doesn't change that we can base our whole lives on that's why reading the bible in a year is such a terrific thing for us to do as a church if you're not doing that join us there are some leaflets at the back you've got to pick them up just start today Um, it's such a thing to do a great thing to do. You know, there are so many, a, a number of unreliable things that, that people base their lives on. Some are traditions. One of the things, people just follow the traditions of the culture. I don't know if you've ever heard this in your home. I've heard it in my home. Well, everybody else has one. Or everybody else is doing it. Doesn't mean we should. Doesn't mean we should. Our children reflect it back to us now. They go, yeah, but we're the Merrywishes. You know, they, we, we do it this way. We do it this way. They think we're so old-fashioned and boring, but we do it this way because we're the Melishes and we're Christians and we live by Christian values and Christian standards and we have Christianity in everything that we do because we believe it with all our hearts. If you went out and surveyed a thousand people and the majority said they were doing a certain thing, you wouldn't necessarily say that was okay. We need to make our own minds up, and our own minds need to be made up based on something, and what I say they need to be based on is based on the Bible. Some people base their lives on traditions. There's always a, always, they've always been done a certain way, so we always continue to do that a certain way. Many years ago, I remember reading a story of a woman who cut two inches off the end, each end of the turkey every Christmas before she cooked it. And uh, her husband, after five years, said to her, why do you cut that bit off? You say, well, my mum always cut that bit off. 
So the following Christmas, asked her mum, Mum, why do you always cut two inches off the front and two inches off the back of the turkey? And she said, because the pan I had was always too small for the turkey. (laughs) Our traditions just sort of come upon us. We do it because we've always done it. That's what we've always done. Do you know there is the possibility that your mother was wrong? I know you don't like to think such things, but your mum might have got it wrong in life. If we base it on the Bible, we get it right. Do you know you don't go far wrong if you live the two greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and love your neighbour as yourself. You don't go far wrong with that. I mean, if we just live those, when you've got live those, you can get to the rest of it. Just live those. Love God with all your heart. Do you know, if we love God with all our heart, if we put him first, if we know the light of Christ in our lives, we will love our neighbours. And part of loving our neighbours is telling them about the God that we love. I know that you guys, I know you guys sometimes get uh, fed up with me talking about my, my wife, Lindsay. I, the reason I talk about it is because I think she's the best woman in the world. I like to tell people about her. I think my saviour is the best in the world. I like to tell people about him because I love him. And if I, if, if I love you, and I truly do, then I tell you about him as well because I think he's the best. I think he's the one to follow. I think he's the one who'll bring light and life in your life. I think he'll change your life and he'll change the lives of those around you. We're to base our lives on the authority of the scripture, not just on tradition. If we want to be a growing church, we've got to be a church that's a biblical church. That's our starting point. Believing that when people come to Christ, their hearts get changed. And when they get changed, they'll have a thankful heart, like Paul did. Thankful for what God has done for them. Thankful that God has saved them. Thankful for the good news that God has shared with us. And finally, Paul says this. He says, never give up. He says this, and then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered, verse 14, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen in this way. You imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea, who, because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffered from their own people, the Jews. For some of the Jews killed the prophets, and some even killed the Lord Jesus, and now they have persecuted us too. Paul pressed on. He pressed on in life. He pressed on to keep going. What was it that kept him going? Well, it certainly wasn't the perks. It certainly wasn't the pay. It certainly wasn't the additional benefits that come with it. What helped him to press on? Because he knew that this thing that was alive and alight within him, that burned in his heart, was the best thing, the best way, the best possible message that he could live his life by, the most fulfilling purpose that he could live his life by. He had such a thankful heart that God had rescued him. Such a belief in the message through which he'd been rescued that he wanted to share it with others. And he only did that and he could only do that because he was full of the Spirit of God. Jesus lived his life full of the Spirit of God. If you read through the Old Testament, as we're doing together, you see people, all these people that do sudden changes and do amazing things. It always says at the beginning, and they anointed by the Spirit went and did. Paul was full of the Spirit of God. Jesus, full of the Spirit of God. We know on his, on his uh, Jesus' baptism, he went under the water, comes up and it says, and the Spirit descended upon him. Full of the Spirit of God, we can do these things. And it encourages us to press on. As my friend who's planting this little community says, he says, well, if everybody else gives up, he says, I intend to continue to press on. 
I'm going to press on. Why? Because I want to love the people in the community and take something of this message that I so believe in that they will grab it in their hearts too. We want to be a church, friends. We want to be a church that's mission-minded. We want to be a church that's full of thankful hearts, don't we? Don't we want to have thankful hearts all the time? Don't we want to know that contentment in all circumstances and situations that Paul had discovered? Don't we want to live that thankfulness? And we want to be a church that makes a difference. We want to be a church that despite what others say, we say we've got a message and a hope that rides far above that, that we want to take out, that others themselves might discover. And what I'd like to do this morning, I'd, I'd like to pray for us all, actually. If you're here and you're not a, a, a believer, why don't you just risk it and just say, I'll stand in my seat and receive prayer. You don't have to, no one has to. But I'd like to begin by, by praying for us all, and, and I'd like to pray for us all this morning that we'd be filled with the Spirit of God, that we'd be a church that's known because of the light and the life of Christ that's alive within us. I want to pray, as Paul says to Timothy in his letter, he says that God would fan into flame that that's within us, that we'd be alive and a light for Christ. I want to pray that we'd have thankful hearts, thankful for what we've got around us, thankful for who God is. And then when we've done that, I would like to pray, we'd like, love to pray for anybody who'd like to step out. Maybe some of you today, you go, do you know, I wish I were more mission-minded. I wish I had the right words to say at my place of work. I wish I had the right words to say with my family. I wish I had the right words to say in this situation. But if you want to be more mission-minded, come and let's pray for you to be filled with the Spirit of God in a special way that the Lord would anoint your words. That's what it says in, in Scripture. It says he'll give us the words to say if we just ask him. Let us pray for you. Maybe, maybe you come and you think, well, do you know, I'm always after the next thing. I'm always wanting the next thing. Maybe you'd, just, we'd, you'd let us pray for you this morning that you would know something of God's contentment in your heart. And so discovering that, that your life will be changed as Paul's life was changed. And the, the infectiousness of that thankfulness would change the lives of those around you. So I'd like to pray for us all, and then we're going to have an opportunity to receive prayer at the front as we worship. Would you stand with me?